Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the WrestleMania review episode of That Guy's Wrestling Podcast. Um, and I have so much to talk about. There was so much uh, entertainment. It was so. It was. It was actually really, really well done. Um, there was a lot of really, really great things that happened. There are a few not so great things, but we'll dive right into that. Uh, I do have so many other t- non-WrestleMania topics I want to dive into. I'm very excited about this episode because it's going to tease a lot of those topics that I'll be covering over the next few weeks. Um, but I can't, I can't have another podcast without talking about WrestleMania, the WrestleMania that was too big for one night. Now, let's start with that right there. Uh, I did very much enjoy the fact that it was split up over two nights. It did make the you know sitting on the couch viewing process a much easier. Uh, I still miss the crowd. I still m- wish that I would have been there, but I did enjoy that it was about you know three three and a half hours each night. Uh, it was kind of nice. I missed Takeover. I missed the Hall of Fame, but again, WrestleMania itself being where we are and what we you know what we're dealing with was was really good. Uh, so let's let's dive right into it. Uh, let's start with night one. The uh, Kabuki Warriors versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Uh, we do have new champs. They started the first night, the first match, the first show with new champs. Now, uh, I am glad that Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross are getting another opportunity, but I really look forward to seeing, I would I would like to see all four of these women uh, in on their own. Uh, all four of these women deserve to be in the title picture, not just the tag title picture. I'm glad that they were able to put them together to give them something to do. But they really, these are all, all four of these women deserve to be fighting for the women's world titles on either show. And the fact that they are not uh, is, uh, it's it's a theme you're going to hear me mention quite a few times. Uh, The women's evolution, the fact that they can't seem to get out of their own way by booking the same few people in that top part of the women's division. Um, but that being said, for an opening match, you know, it was it was fine. It was solid. Uh, the next match was Baron Corbin versus Elias. That was what it was. It was a rivalry that was kind of thrown together at the last minute. Uh, you know, they had a little bit of build. It was a solid, hard-hitting match. Nothing on the line, nothing spectacular. They did a fine job. Um, these are two guys who have managed to really carve out a good niche for themselves. Uh, Baron Corbin 
is a great heel. Like he does what he is supposed to do. They've dropped the ball with him quite a bit, considering that they keep, you know, giving him these opportunities uh, and haven't been able to pull the trigger on it. But he still has come such a long way. He does a great job of being an actual heel. Uh, he, you know, it is their job to get you to want them to lose. If you are cheering for them as a heel, well, that's good that they're getting the cheers, but then they're not, they're not specifically getting the, the bad guy reaction. Um, but either way, and Elias, same thing. He's another guy who had no, no real success in NXT and has had, uh, had to build himself up completely on his own. He was not given any kind of like, hey, Elias is coming, you know, kind of excitement. Uh, there was no like major draft, or, you know, move with him. There was no major like announcement that Elias is joining the main roster. He just kind of showed up one day and and for him to get his get a WrestleMania win was was really nice. So uh, I, I am happy for him. The uh, up next on the card, this is a match that really, 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 really upset me, and I, I used a lot of reallys because I felt that I was really, 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 really upset. Uh, Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch. Now, again, I mentioned it in the opening match how it seems like they can't, they refuse to to put anybody other than the same few women at the top of the roster, and I don't understand why. It has been over a year now that Becky Lynch has carried that belt around and she has continually made the rest of that division look inferior. And I just, I don't understand what's the purpose of it. What motivation like does, does WWE have now you might say maybe this is a sign that they have something in the works with Ronda Rousey. They're ready to bring her back. She's ready to avenge the one loss that she had you know, and go after her title. And that's fine. Like she was great. She did, she did a great job. I very much enjoyed Ronda Rousey's work. And I think there is a big money match to happen between her and Becky, but, but you could have still had Becky lose that belt, uh, you know, once or twice or multiple times throughout the year, you could have had her lose to Baszler uh, and show that Baszler is just as dangerous and, and, you know, work your way towards building her up as a real star in that division. But instead you threw this match as the third match of the night. You had, uh, you had Becky win and, 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 and Baszler was made to look strong. So I will, I will give credit where credit is due in that aspect, but I just really didn't agree with the outcome of that match. Uh, up next we had Sammy Zayn versus Daniel Bryan. Um, I'm just, I'm very impressed with both of these guys. Again, so impressed with, the heel work that Z- Sami Zayn has been putting together, like that's what you want. That's what you want from a heel, a bad guy. You want them to create such a fan reaction where you as a fan just want them to get their ass kicked. You want the good guy to get a hold of them. You want the good guy to just, you know, defeat them. And that's what he did. He spent that whole match just making you, like think, oh, I just want Daniel Bryan to get his hands on him. Daniel Bryan to, to make him tap, to make him submit. Uh, he did a terrific job. Uh, great heel work all around. Very good, solid match between those two, which uh, I think, honestly, those two probably could just, you know, put on a, a 
you know, a B plus match in their sleep. Uh, they're two very good wrestlers in the ring, but yeah, his, his work, his taking advantage of the lack of crowd, uh, was, was really, really good. So I was very impressed with that match. Uh, there is a lot of possibilities for them to build on, uh, as far as the intercontinental title picture, uh, Drew Gulak's involvement, Cesaro and, and Nakamura's involvement. So that, that whole, that whole situation is far from done. Um, and again, good to see Sami Zayn get a WrestleMania moment. Now, up next, we had our triple threat tag team ladder match. Now, it was a tag team. It was supposed to be a tag team match. It was it was for the tag team titles. But yet, all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, by the way, guys, it's one-on-one-on-one. It's a triple threat match. I understand that you have to... You're, you're, the company's kind of dancing around, and if you noticed from the get-go, they very carefully didn't mention the word coronavirus. They didn't mention COVID-19. They just alluded to this situation that we all know is going on in the world. But that being said, there were a couple of matches that were majorly impacted by that, uh, and this one being one of those where The Miz was was taken out of the match and, and quarantine but they didn't give us a reason why now if you don't want to give us the real reason then then come up with a better one because he was on the show the night before he was on smackdown on friday night so we know it's taped we know that they're you know working around this stuff but from a from a casual fan perspective if you watch the show friday night and miz is hyping up this match that he's supposed to have the next night why wasn't he in it that being said, that match was great. It was a very, very good match. Um, you had three terrific performers in that in the in the ring doing you know unbelievably dangerous, dangerous stuff. Um, there is there is no way to fake getting hit and falling on and being smashed by a ladder. Like it's. It's dangerous. It is really, really, really dangerous. Uh, many people have gotten, you know, really injured, uh, some severely because of ladders and ladder matches. And sometimes it's not even the spots. It's not even the moves done off of the ladders. Uh, it's just when those ladders start flying around the ring or they get knocked over accidentally and fall and hit people. Or sometimes you chuck a ladder at somebody when they're, you know, on the ropes. And it just it's just hard to break brace that impact. That being said, yeah, it was just a, a really, really, really well done match. Um, I have a lot of respect for all three of those guys to to put their bodies on the line the way they did. They could have done half of that. They could have phoned it in. They could have, you know, done the minimum, but they didn't. They went all out. So great job. And then the ending I thought was very well done as well. There's only so many ways you can have a guy or a girl or team or whatever climb up a ladder and pull down you know, pull down the belt or pull down a briefcase. Uh, you know, you can only invent, reinvent the wheel so many times. So they were able to do that. I liked having all three of them grabbing and pulling off the, the, the metal, uh, belt holder at the same time. And then for, you know, Morrison to grab the belts and, and get hit and fall off with the actual belts. And that would be, that's what caused the, the match to end was, was really good, really well done. Uh, I salute all three of those guys. I think the right team won. Uh, Miz and Morrison are showing that they 
the company made the right call, putting them back together. Their heel work, their rap videos, their promos uh, have all been excellent. So I really look forward to continuing, continuing to see where they go with those three. Uh, up next, they gave us the grudge match between Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. They, this is another match that like they had a pretty good rivalry built. Um, you know, it was really good to see them again. The theme of this of this night of uh, the show uh, of night one was really the strong heel work, and Seth Rollins has been excellent uh, lately. He has done a terrific job as his role as the Monday Night Messiah. He just makes you want to punch him in the face. And he, you know, that was no different on Saturday night. He did, he took advantage again of the lack of crowd. And you heard the conversation, you heard the talking. Uh, he, they decided to like just really go with the fact that everything they said we could hear. So he just, he used it very well. The only thing, the only thing I'm going to nitpick on this match was that pointless use of the disqualification and the restart to turn it into a no disqualification match. That was very just, it was just unnecessary. Like again, I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking a very solid hard hitting match. Uh, there was a very good spot with Kevin Owens jumping off the part of the stage. Um, that was great. The ending was good. He got a stunner. He won in the middle of the ring. So it just that just seemed a little unnecessary. I'm not really sure why they did it. My only thought is they were considering the idea of maybe having this match end with a disqualification and then continuing the rivalry and having them fight again next month. And with the uncertainty of what next month might look like, they decided to kind of shove that into one into into one segment to one match that's my speculation um you know it is what it is but again another good solid hard hitting match so far all the matches you know have, we're 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 solid very good uh which brings us to our next match which for a match itself was not good it was Goldberg versus Braun Strowman now the mat, the in ring match wasn't going to be good that's just we we kind of knew that going in and that's Again, if you were expecting a five-star classic, if you were expecting anything that lasted longer than about two or three minutes, I guess that's on you. This is another one of those cases, though, where you had been highlighting Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. And why was Roman Reigns not in that match? Like, give us something. Make up something. Have a segment where Roman Reigns gets laid out in his driveway or in the parking lot or something. Give us a, a you know, something. Uh, we all know that he has the leukemia background. His immune system is weakened. It was a smart decision for him medically to not appear, and that's fine. Um, but from a storyline perspective, give us something. That being said, the result was right, in my opinion. Uh, it seemed like it divided some people because the like Strowman didn't really have a lot of momentum going for him right now, but this was a result that needed to happen. It needed to happen multiple years ago. Strowman needed to be world champion. I'm very glad he finally is. Uh, they they kind of back, had themselves backed into a corner. 
Um, I'm assuming that Goldberg was paid a lot of money for a few dates, and this was his last one, and they had to have him lose regardless. I'm glad Strowman got the payoff. I'm glad he got the title. And he kind of spoiled what was going to be an upcoming episode. I do have an episode coming up where I would like to discuss who needed or who did they miss the miss out on or who did they drop the ball on by not giving the world title to and Stroman was going to be very high up on my list uh, his name got taken off I'm glad he is a champ he's the world champ so congratulations to him I wish it would have happened you know years ago in front of a nice crowd but it's better to have happened this way than not have happened at all now the last match, the main event of evening one, is was AJ Styles versus Undertaker. And during the preview episode, uh, Dave and I mentioned Boneyard match a lot of times. We talked about how great it was going to be. And we did so kind of ironically because we had no idea what they actually meant by it. We had some speculation. We thought, hey, you know, some kind of graveyard match. That's fine. But they just kind of like threw that term in there like, hey, we're going to have a boneyard match. But they didn't really explain it. They didn't really go into it. Um, But all I have to say is, wow, like that was phenomenal. And they they did such a great job. It was a movie quality match. Um, I understand why it was the main event. Everything about it, the way it was shot, edited, the music, the explosions, the the talking, the heel work, the the stunts, the spots. I mean, it was just, it was like a low budget horror movie that just looked so good. It was, it, they did such a terrific job with it. Uh, I, I hope that they continue to learn from this. I mean, they were kind of, you know, forced into this. Uh, well, not necessarily forced into it. They could have, you know, they could have had a match in the ring. And I assume that, all things being normal, they would have just had a match in the ring, and I'm sure AJ Styles would have gotten the most out of Undertaker, but uh, they decided that they wanted to film it this way, and oh, they blew it. They blew everyone out of the blue expectations. Um, they blew everyone out of the water. I mean, the reactions have been nothing but positive from what I've seen. Uh, it just, yeah, it was a, a big, giant A-plus to that. And that's how they wrapped up night one. So you left night one thinking to yourself, like, man, we've you had some really great in-ring matches. You had a triple threat ladder match. You had Kevin Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. You had a new world champion in Braun Strowman. You had new tag team champions in Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And you ended with, like, what was probably the best taker match in, in quite a few years. So... Uh, I was very impressed with night one. I, I ended the night thinking to myself, man, like this was this was really good. This was a really fun show. It was a really good night of wrestling. Really, really, really fun. Uh, and what made it even better is knowing that we had a whole second night ahead of us. So let's dive right into that second night as well. The second night opened with a terrific uh, terrific entrance. I mean, a terrific uh, intro video. Uh, it was the same one that opened with the the first night. Um, and and man, there's I don't know if there's a, a company, uh, a show, a whatever in the world that makes better 
intro videos, promo videos, documentary videos. Like their their department that's in charge of that is so so good. Um, I was fine with them showing the same one both nights because it was it was terrific. It was very well done. Uh, and then from there, just like on the first night, they op- they went right to Rob Gronkowski, or you know Gronk. Um, I'm not sure. I still, after seeing two nights of him on there, I'm still not sure what my actual opinion is of him. Um, like that was his job. His job was to be Gronk. Like we knew, you knew what he was. If you, if, if you knew who he was, this is exactly what he was. If you didn't, if you weren't aware of him as the football player and the personality, um, he might've caught you off guard. That is exactly who Rob Gronkowski is. That was nothing fake about him. He is, uh, you know, a real life retired football playing frat boy, dancing party, whatever you want to call it. Um, So if you knew that and you were okay with that, he did a great, you know, he did, he did fine with that. Uh, He did a great job on the mic. I mean, he probably had the, the script, the cue cards, whatever, right in front of him. That's fine. He didn't stutter. He didn't stumble. There was nothing about what he was saying that didn't make sense. Um, so yeah, he he did what he you know he was supposed to do. I had, I don't typically ever have a problem with the company trying to bring in celebrities from the outside. Uh, anybody that you can use to tra- draw names in uh, to bring you know new potential new viewers in that's fine. Uh, to do it the right way, do it in small doses. And I think they did a good job with that with Gronk. Um, so from there, we jumped right in to the only, the most disappointing match uh, outcome that I felt. Uh, it was Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. Now, I've been saying it this entire episode. I said it during the preview episode, and I will have an entire episode dedicated to what I think is the company failing and crushing their own women's revolution. Um, I've, I've said it before. I I'm, I very strongly believe in these women's wrestlers. Um, I am very proud of the opportunities that they are getting. I'm proud of how far they have come um, in their just overall quality of performances, the opportunities that they're getting, but you're going to kill your own revolution. If you refuse to allow anybody, but the same four women to win important matches. Um, Rhea Ripley is a star. Uh, We know that Uh, there was nothing about that match that didn't show us that she is a star. And you know, she's young and her career is, she has a lot of career left in her and that's fine. Um, but Charlotte Flair did not need to win that match. Like there's just, there's the only motivation that I can think of is they want to have Charlotte appearing on Wednesdays to help with their ratings. Um, but I just, I, I was just really, really like disappointed. I was just yeah, heartbroken for Rhea Ripley. Um, they built her up. She knocked off Shayna Baszler. She did the unthinkable in NXT. She became the champ and they didn't really even give her a chance to run with that title at all before dropping it to someone who didn't need it. So the match itself was, was very physical. The match itself was, was, you know, was solid. Um, but it was your typical Charlotte Flair match. She, her matches don't, 
she does she hasn't changed or grown her promos are the same her matches are the same uh it is what it is she's the champ we'll have to see where we go from there um up next is bobby lashley versus alistair black a match that had no build because lashley was quarantined uh, it was a fine. It was a fine match for what it was. It was just them trying to get two big names, two stars on the card that kind of threw them together. And I tweeted this out. And if you haven't f- started following that guy's wrestling podcast on Twitter yet, please do. I tweet some what I hope is interesting stuff, thoughtful stuff. And if not, it's just more stuff either way. So yeah, go ahead and add me on there. That guy's wrestling podcast along all your favorite social media forums but um i've tweeted i've never seen such a slow um deliberately slow build uh, to, to to a wrestler the way they and, and protected build i guess is what i mean by that that i've that they've done with alistair black now like he showed up and as i mentioned on my last episode he's only been pinned one time one time on his entire run on the main roster. Um, he has been very, very protected. Now, that being said, like there's been a lot of times where he just wasn't on the show or he was doing that behind the scenes knock on my door. Um, like, you know, he was there but not there and then he would come and then he would, you know, beat a bunch of nobodies and then he'd have occasional rivalries and then, he would, you know, he'd always win them. So they're clearly protecting him. They clearly don't want him pinned. They clearly don't want him jobbing out to people. But he, I feel like he deserves and needs something bigger. And they just, I don't think they know what that is yet. So they're just like deliberately and very slowly continuing to just string him along, keep him, keep him protected, keep him from losing. Uh, and eventually he's going to pop. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's a Money in the Bank win, uh, a Royal Rumble win next year, a, a, a title match out of nowhere. Uh, you know, I don't know what what the case might be. Um, he, it's 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 going to happen at some point. I don't know if he. Uh, and again, I told you this is episode is going to lead to a lot of future other conversations. He, I'm going to have an episode coming up where I talk about who needs to be the one that finally retires the Undertaker, and he's going to be in that conversation. Um, so there's a little preview, a little spoiler of something I'm going to be talking about, but he's got big things coming. He deserves it. He's, he's, you know, he's really good. Um, so I'm just kind of curious to see where they go from there. Uh, after that was Dolph Ziggler versus Otis. And I mentioned last episode, this was great storytelling. Like they really, really took the time creativity, creatively to, to put together a storyline for, you know, at that time, like uh, Otis was a lower tier tag team wrestler. Dolph Ziggler is, you know, had his ups and downs. He's, you know, a great wrestler. He just, his opportunities are, are a little sparse. Um, but they really took the time to, to craft together this, like, just, just great storytelling. Uh, and it culminated with Otis getting his WrestleMania win and his, you know, he got the girl at the end. Um, so, yeah, great job. I mean, it shows that they can build lower characters if they if they choose to. Um, it's it shows that 
that storyline development and storytelling does exist. They are able to do it. Uh, sometimes they do drop the ball on the lower on the lower wrestlers, um, but this was not it. This was great storytelling. It was you know a fine solid match. It was you know these Dolph is is great in the ring. Otis is is just fun. You know he's not going to give you any five star Matt classics, but he is he's fun. Um, so that was that was good. That was a good solid escape. It was a good happy moment, uh, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. Another match that had great storytelling, but was my most like I hate to use the word worst match of the of the weekend. But Randy Orton versus Edge was just way too long. Like that dragged on um, way, 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 way too long. They really, the fact that they were able to edit, they should have cut some of that out. Um, It didn't need to be. And again, spoiler alert for a topic coming up, uh, talking about some of the different stipulations used over you know, through the course of WWE programming, this was a last man standing match. And I just, I don't think that's a great stipulation at all. Like it's not at all suspenseful. I understand its purpose. I understand that it typically is the end of a long heated rivalry. You know, guys that have have a long history, a long build, have fought a bunch of times. Like it's, it's a solid way to end. It's just not exciting. Like there's something about, you know, Randy Orton, a Randy Orton match where he can hit his RKO out of nowhere and then hit that quick three count for a pin and win a match. Like in a last man standing match to watch guys like punch and kick and then do hit him with a chair and knock him down and have the ref do a slow count. Like when you know they're getting up, it's just it's not very suspenseful. It makes the match drag and that match dragged on uh, very long. Um, the buildup was so good. These are two, you know two all-time greats, two Hall of Famers, two great storytellers. Um, but this match, the way it was set, the way it was designed, just it didn't do them any favors. Uh, and that, so from that aspect, like I said, that it was probably my least favorite match of the show because um, it, it just it had a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of potential. And if they did an in-ring match together, it would probably be a lot more entertaining. Um, but who knows this, you know, this might be the end of this rivalry or it might, they might stretch it on a little further. Uh, after that was Angel, uh, Garza and Austin Theory versus the Street Profits. Uh, this was very thrown together. This was the result of a lot of things not working out as far as potential matches, people being hurt or quarantined or whatever else. It was their way of getting the Street Profits on the show. It was giving them an opponent. Uh, it was, you know, kind of is what it is as far as, you know, what they decided to do with Angel Garza, with, you know, with Andrade being hurt, with Mysterio being quarantined. Humberto Carrillo was supposed to be in that mix probably as well. That being said, it was a fine match. Um, these are four guys with a lot of upside. Uh, Angel Garza is terrific. Like, uh, I don't know where he came from. Uh, he was not somebody that I particularly uh, knew much about before he showed up in NXT. Uh, he showed up with like very little fanfare uh, and then just started entertaining like instantly, like out of nowhere, just started, you know, really entertaining the crowd, putting on very solid matches, 
And then they just started giving him opportunities. And every opportunity he got, he succeeded, you know, putting him in cruiserweight matches, um, you know, giving him the cruiserweight title. And then all of a sudden he just started appearing on Raw. You know, I know it was because of Andrade's suspension. He just showed up. Uh, Zelina Vega, you know, needed someone to manage. And he knocked those opportunities out of the park. Like he was on running, running through both shows for a while. Uh, Austin Theory, same thing. He stepped up. Uh, he, you know, I don't know if this is going to remain, if he's going to remain on Raw or if he's going to go back to NXT. Uh, a lot of potential with him. And the Street Profits, they just, Montez Ford is, is a star in the making. I don't know if they know how to eventually, and, and it doesn't need to be anytime soon, um, how to eventually turn him into some kind of singles star. I don't know if they feel like they can. Um, I think they're perfect together. I think him and Dawkins are a great combination. I certainly don't think you need to break the Street Profits up anytime soon or if ever. Uh, I'm just saying he, he clearly has, like, there's just something about his energy, his athleticism. Uh, he, is, he is terrific. So there's definitely a lot of upside for all four of them. The right team won in that. There was no there was no reason to remove this the tag team titles from the Street Profits. So uh, I was you know again that was a fine match for what it was. Up next was the women's the SmackDown Women's Championship, the five way Fatal Five Way uh, that featured Tamina, Naomi, uh, Lacey Evans, Sasha Banks, and the champion Bailey. Now, again, I've mentioned this throughout the show, and I will continue to mention it. Um, they seem to just, again, you got Charlotte, you got Becky, you got Bailey, you got Sasha. Like, I get it. They are they are very talented. They helped really just put the women's wrestling uh, from a WWE standpoint on the map. And we all knew going in that the focus of this story was going to be on the friendship between Sasha and Bailey. Uh, I personally thought that Sasha was going to win, um, but it, it did. Her friendship did have a major impact on it. You know, they, they teased a little dissension. Uh, it allowed Sasha to get eliminated. It gave Lacey Evans a chance, um, but in the end, Bailey won thanks to Sasha coming back and helping her friend. Um, we all know that this is going to most likely end up in Sasha turning on Bailey at some point, this friendship collapsing, uh, the title going back and forth between these two. And they will put on, probably put on some, you know, very, very good matches. But, you know, it almost would have been nice, like, to see Lacey Evans win or someone else win that title. Uh, you know, Naomi, Naomi and Tamina weren't really built to win a title. They've, they haven't really been doing much with them, so it's fine. I understand that. But, you know, again, Bailey's had the title for 170 something days. It's time to move on. Like the, the title changes need to happen. It's very important that titles keep the, you know, that they move titles around somewhat regularly. I've got a whole show lined up on, on talking about that. The importance of allowing other people to win championship belts um, so again, like I said, I love this episode. I love talking about these mania matches and it definitely gives you a spoiler of what's to come. The match after that, uh, was the fiend first John Cena 
in a Firefly Funhouse match. Now, after the night, after night one, and the movie quality A plus performance we got from AJ Styles and Taker, we all expected, knowing this was going to be a Firefly Funhouse match, not knowing what that was, but we expected something along a similar line, something just off the wall, uh, taped. Whatever, whatever the case may be, and oh my goodness, did they again nail it on the head? Um, it was phenomenal. Like it was just so. Like when I was done, I didn't quite know what I was watching, and even throughout the time, I just kept thinking to myself, like, "What is this? What is happening?" But it was so good. It was so well done. It was a trip through John Cena's mind. It was John Cena beating himself. It was the. The throwbacks to, to to both of their history uh, individually and together, the random segments of the Saturday Night Main Event and the NWO, like it was just so so creatively well done. Like like I don't think I heard anybody complain about it. I don't think anybody could complain about it because they just it was just creative genius at work. Um, uh, shout out to both performers, to to whoever helped put it together, wherever the creativity came from. Um, it was nice, you know, for John Cena to come back. And I mean, like he didn't specifically lose in a traditional match, um, but he, he played the part. He went with the he rolled along with it uh, and he allowed the fiend to go over. I guess if that's what you want to call it in that amazingly creative uh, match. So yeah, that was awesome, um, and in most, in many cases, that would have been a great main event, a final match to show. But in this case, we all knew what the main event uh, was and should have been, and it was Drew McIntyre defeating the Beast, defeating Brock Lesnar, and becoming the WWE champion. Um, it. It showed how tough he was. It was a solid match. Again, you're not going to get a five-star classic. You're going to get a hard-hitting finisher spot fest between these two, and you did. It showed Brock Lesnar F5-ing him multiple times, getting visually frustrated uh, that it wasn't enough to put Drew McIntyre away. And I'm, I'm I'm happy they pulled the trigger. I feel bad. I've, that was I've mentioned this a few times. You know, when a guy gets a chance to become a world champion, to main event WrestleMania, to have a major WrestleMania moment, it's unfortunate that you don't have the the seventy thousand fans cheering for you. But you know, this this WrestleMania will be remembered uh, for for a long time. It will be a very very. A memorable event for for many reasons, mostly good, uh, but you know, obviously, not not as good in the sense of what's going on in the outside world. But for it to to be what it was, to be you know, kind of thrown together and taped and recorded and put over two nights and just trying to to do what they could do. Uh, to entertain us as fans, um, I, I think they did a great job. Um, I don't even know how to rank it. Like, you know, it just, it just happened. So I don't know where to put it in in the pantheon of WrestleManias. Like, I don't know how to compare it to other WrestleManias. It was so unlike any other WrestleMania or any other show that I've experienced. 
as far as, you know, when it comes to the showcase of the immortals. Um, but I was very entertained. Uh, I think, I think overall the, the reaction has been generally positive. I think it was nice to have two nights of something else to think about, something else to do. And I, I'm very grateful that the WWE did that. I appreciate them putting forth what, you know, the effort that they did. Again, many of the wrestlers had a chance to just kind of go through the motions, but they didn't. They really, you know, the matches themselves were very hard hitting. They were very intense. They just really gave it their all. And I do appreciate that. So, and I do appreciate all of you guys who have been jumping on the, that guy's wrestling podcast bandwagon. The YouTube subscribers have popped over a thousand for the Fight Bananas umbrella. Um, I know I'm only the smallest part of that, but that being said, I appreciate everybody jumping along. Follow me on that guy's wrestling podcast. On, uh, like like my page on Facebook. Follow, find me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I do plan on having more guests on the show on upcoming episodes. I got a lot of great stuff I want to talk about. I look forward to to really diving into some other topics. Um, But obviously, like I said, we couldn't have a wrestling podcast without discussing WrestleMania and the wonderful event that it was. So thanks again for listening. Thanks again for supporting. And I am tapping out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.